Oh, how are we all doing this morning? We have opportunity now to hear our gospel today from the fifth chapter of Matthew, beginning at verse 21. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to them, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I say to you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Racha, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversaries who are taking you to court. Do it while you still have them on the you will do that while you are still with them on the way, or they may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. And you have heard it said that you do not do not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. If it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. And again, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oath that you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, Do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, for by earth, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Invite you to pray with me together this morning. Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together today. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I once again am reminded of Martin Luther's Reformation quote that was up on our overhead screen here on Reformation Sunday back in October where Luther said, I tell myself and I remind myself and the people that I preach to you each week that you are saved by grace through faith. 
And I do that because we keep on forgetting. We keep on forgetting. You see, we keep on forgetting that it is because of God's great love, because of God's unmerited, undeserved love for us that we are forgiven and that we are renewed every day of our lives. It is God's gift of undeserved love and grace through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, our, our Lord, that you and I are it's made possible for you and I to live and to be in community together. It is in this realization of this grace and within this umbrella of God's unmerited love for us that we hear these words from Jesus today. Or the other song that I think of that we sang at camp time and time again is that song, Mercy is falling, is falling, is falling. Mercy is falling like sweet spring rain. In order for me to hear these words from Jesus today, I need to be able to hear it within the context of the fact that it is, my, it is God's undeserved grace and mercy and love under which I am able to even hear these words spoken to me and to you today. Words that when initially heard, they are heard, at least when I first heard them, they're heard as judgmental and impossible to attain. And yet, they are meant, they are meant to be heard and to be lived out within this grace-centric community that you and I have the privilege and the opportunity to live in. That's what we live in. We live in a grace-centric community. And you need, we, need to, we need to affirm that. We need to continually affirm that. That that, is the, that that is the beloved community that God has always intended for us to live within as a blessed, forgiven community that reflects the presence of God's kingdom through this faith community and through the lives that we live outside of this faith community. Before you, I have, I have this, this is a part of a, this is part of a, a, a series, a, a volume. It's a volume of five books. It's called the Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible. This was the most highly recommended books that you purchase as a seminarian while you were in seminary because they often would tell you that this is going to be an invaluable resource to you in your future ministry, wherever it is that you are called. Now, like I said, this is one of five books. This particular book only covers topics in the Bible that start with the letters K through Q, okay? See how big this is? Yeah. Within the confines of this one book, there are 25 pages. There are 25 pages in here just on the topic of the law. And to say the least, it is exhaustive and it is comprehensive. And I also want you to know, it is in very small print. <laughs> I practically need to use a magnifying glass to read this book. The print is so small. And to make it even more confusing, 
Within those 25 pages, there are categories like law in biblical Hebrew, law in the Septuagint Greek, law in the pre-Mosaic period, law in the period of Moses to the exile, law in the post-exilic period, law as the agent of salvation, law in the New Testament, law in the Synoptic Gospels, Paul and the law, etc., etc., etc. You get my drift? And I say all that simply to make the point. When it comes to the law and people's interpretation of what the law is and what it means for us in our life together as community, there is all kinds of room for interpretation and misunderstanding and, yes, disagreement. If I was to ask every single one of you in here, what is your definition of a law, I, I would probably have a multitude of, of uh, answers. Now, maybe I'm, maybe I'm on dangerous ground here. Last night, there were actually four clergy in the room. So, you know, if I got it wrong, n- none of them seemed to disagree with me. And so, apparently, I, I, I must have something sort of right. But fundamentally, I was taught, I was taught that the purpose, the purpose and the function of the law, it was given so that this beloved community of God, you see... That has always been God's intent all along. Ever since the time of creation, God's intent is that we were to live together in a beloved community. And fundamentally, the law had to be given because, hey, we human beings, we screwed it up, you know? We messed things up. And so the the law was given so that this beloved community of God so that we could know the reason why the law was given so that we could know what it means to be in fellowship and in community together. What it's going to take for us to be together in community. These are the things that you need to kind of have as your priorities. And this is one of the most fundamental things that we can hear today. That these words of Jesus, that they are meant, these words first and foremost that we hear from Jesus, they are meant to be heard within the context of God's undeserved and unmerited love for us as we live life together in community. In other words, when Jesus was speaking these words, he was basically saying, hey, y'all, this is how you do it. This is what it's going to take for y'all to live in this beloved community. And if you, li- if you live these things, then it makes it possible for us to live in these, this beloved community. But you see, we as human beings, naturally, we hear these words as transactional. We, we oftentimes hear these words as just me and Jesus. This is, this is me and Jesus. What do I got to do to make it right with Jesus? You know, I mean, how many times, how, is, that, is that what we hear some of us hear it. I, I, I used to hear it that way. You know, in my younger days when I was still kind of trying to walk this walk with Jesus and trying to figure out what it meant to be in relationship with Jesus. Because a lot, a lot of that was ingrained into us because of our culture, our religious history, and that this individualistic society that we live in. But I've, 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 I, I think I've matured beyond that to where I don't interpret or I don't see Scripture as this so much transactional anymore. 
And one of the things that I want to share with you is uh, some, some insightful words from theologian uh, Deb Thomas, another this person that I quote many, many times. I, I, I love her insights. She says that Jesus is, isn't, she says Jesus isn't admonishing individuals in this Sermon on the Mount. Rather, Jesus is calling forth a new community. A blessed community, a beloved community, a community meant to initiate a radical way of doing life together. I love that statement the most. You know, and as I think about, as I think about people and life and every, any and every person that's ever walked on this planet Earth, I can say without hesitation that Jesus is the most radical person I have ever encountered in my life. Now, maybe you feel a little uncomfortable with that, but I, I, I don't. Because it, that, that's, that, that, that frees me. That, that frees me to really get a more radical understanding of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know, Jesus is really out there on the edge, really. She goes on, she says, a community meant to initiate a radical way of doing life together. A community of Jesus trusts, Jesus trusts will follow in his footsteps and that we will together, that we, because of we living under this umbrella of God's undeserved love and grace, that we live together as this beloved community, that we then incarnate, I love that word, that we incarnate this divine love through our life together. Because there's a whole big world out there that's hungering for that hope and that healing that Jesus provides. You see, when we hear these words from Jesus today, Jesus not only draws our attention to the law, but Jesus actually accentuates the law. He says, but I say to you, Jesus takes it to an even deeper meaning. But I say to you, Jesus takes it to an even higher standard. But I say to you, Jesus takes it to a greater understanding of what it means for our life together in a blessed and beloved community. But I say to you, I preface this meditation today with the context in which God's great love, His unmerited, His undeserved love for us. It's God's gift of grace through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ our Lord so that you and I, so that you and I are able to live and to be in community together. That this God's, this undeserved and unmerited love, it is the beginning point for us individually and communally each and every day of our lives. Our individual and communal lives are a living response to that undeserved to this undeserved grace and when we look at the life of Jesus he profoundly cared for and he treated each person with dignity and respect he touched people's lives with his divine love and and mercy and grace and generosity in other words what did Jesus do Jesus fulfilled the law through his very life And he he fulfilled the law by sharing that divine love and mercy with us. 
These words from Jesus today, they sound and initially come across as judgmental and impossible, impossible to attain. Maybe that was Jesus' intent all along. And yet they were meant to be heard, to be lived out as blessing. So go back, go back and reread this passage today. And reread it with this context, this, this frame of mind, that as Jesus is telling you these things, that he's telling you these things, that they are to be heard, and it makes it possible for to, us to be living our lives out as blessing. That we are collectively called to live life together in this blessed, beloved community in response to Christ's undeserved grace and unmerited love. In other words, we live out the law to be a blessing to each other. That's the reason why we live out the law, to be a blessing to each other and to treat each other with dignity and profound respect and to allow us and to let grace lead us. Let grace be first and foremost the thing that leads us. And as Pastor Al so oftentimes reminds us that it is Christ who is out in front of us who is showing us the way to live out our lives and to live out this blessed community that you and I are asked to live. And as Deb Thomas so beautifully says it, she says, pay attention to what's important. Jesus says in every way he can think of to articulate it, he says that you as the community of people who are this beloved community, you matter. How you live with each other matters. What you say and what you do, what you focus on, what you prioritize as my disciples, these things matter. Your choices have life and death consequences. So don't, she says, these choices are life and death consequences. So she says, please take your communal life together seriously and I think this is one of the most important things she says she says don't settle for the bare minimums don't settle for the bare minimums she says reconcile with each other honor each other speak truth to each other protect each other do these things not to earn God's blessing but because you are already so richly blessed it has always been God's intention from the very beginning of creation that we live lives of blessedness. And we do that in a beloved community with each other. And we do it under this umbrella of God's grace and mercy. Let us be that beloved community that God has intended us to be. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please extend that peace to one another. I invite you to pray with me now, the, Lord, prayer, the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day the daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now go forth from this place refreshed and empowered to do the ministry to which God calls you.
Travel lightly for you carry within you all you need. You are under the umbrella of God's undeserved love and grace and mercy in your life. Take that umbrella of his love and mercy into your life and um, be the beloved community that you are called to be. And notice God's presence in simple everyday experiences and the people that you encounter. And whenever opportunity arises, labor for the good of all and may the blessing and the joy of our, our God, our creator, healer, and life giver go with you today and always. Amen. Go in peace, tell what God has done, and thanks, thanks be to God. God.